Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Rebecca Westover. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Thank you so much. We, our family knows Rebecca because she did the wedding photography for our oldest daughter, Abby, and her husband, Nico. And those photos have been in our home. And when Abby got married as or got engaged, um, the first thing after finding the right guy was finding the right photographer, and she knew exactly who she wanted in Rebecca Westover. And that's how I first knew your name, and you did a great job. And I've since learned that Rebecca has uh, done over 500 weddings, um, 15 years, but has recently shifted careers to be a photographer in the commercial real estate business, commercial properties. Um, more of commercial interior design. Interior design. And that may free up your weekends. Is that possible? Yes, it does. It's kind of been life-changing. So you've earned a life-changing then (laughs) because you've changed a lot of lives in all these wedding photography work you've done. Rebecca is a mother of three, active LDS, um, and we're going to talk about her journey um, to understand LGBTQ people through her work as a photographer. As our listeners know, my I came in that space because I had priesthood responsibilities of YSA Bishop. Rebecca came in this space because she started to photograph couples in same-sex weddings. So if that bio is okay, well, let's just go right to the story of connect of that first photo shoot you did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is the story of a photo shoot I did for my cousin, Mark, who is gay. And it all started, I don't remember the year, but I had been hired to shoot a wedding in St. John, Virgin Islands. And before I went there, um, my aunt reached out to me and said, hey, your cousin Mark lives there you should reach out to him. And I hadn't seen Mark in probably 10 years, but I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be really fun to just reconnect and see how he's doing. Um, so we met up for dinner and he told us that he had just started dating someone and he was just head over heels and he was super excited about this new person he was dating. Um, so fast forward about a year later And, um, he had, Mark had moved back to Salt Lake. And so he contacted me and invited me and my husband up for dinner. And so we went up for dinner and Nick was there, his boyfriend. So it was our, you know, our chance to meet Nick. And while we were eating dinner, um, Mark told me, well, first of all, he asked if I could shoot their, you know, some pictures for them. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. And then he said, okay, well, I have something to tell you, but it's top secret. We've eloped. Wow. (laughs) He said, we're married. No one knows. And we want you to do a photo shoot of us so that we can send out um, wedding announcements and let everyone know that we're married. And I think this was 2012, 2013 ish. And up until this point, have you, had you done any that good English listeners have you um, any same-sex couple of weddings no I had done none and in fact I really didn't know I didn't know closely any LGBTQ people um as I mentioned to you previous previously I grew up in Utah County um, I grew up in the LDS church and I just was kind of in a bubble and I didn't really have any interactions with um people outside of my circle, which is 
kind of unfortunate, but that's just kind of the way it is sometimes growing up in Utah County. So anyways, um, I hadn't photographed a same-sex couple, so this was going to be my very first time doing it. And I was a little bit nervous about it just because I, it was new and I didn't know what to expect. And also this was family. And so I wanted the photos to be really, really good. So we got to talking about the photo shoot and they, they were just so cute. They like had this great idea planned. They wanted to wear like really nice black tuxedos and shoot at the salt flats, like in the white salt. So I was like, great, let's do it. That sounds absolutely awesome. Um, so we scheduled the photo shoot and like leading up to it, I just was thinking about, you know, is this going to be, I just didn't really know what to expect. And I was a little nervous inside and I don't know why. I think I just, um, it was just new for me. And I had been shooting for a long time up until this point. So it was just, and it was interesting that this was just a totally brand new experience. So I met them in Salt Lake and they asked me to drive with them to the Salt Flats. It's a really long drive. Like, I think it's a good two hours from Salt Lake. So um, I hopped in the car with them and we just had a really long drive out to the Salt Flats. And um, we just had a great conversation the whole way out there. And this was my first time uh, really being able to talk with a gay couple where they were super open. They answered all my questions. They shared some really personal and amazing things. And it was really good for me to be able to just hear their stories of growing up Mormon, knowing they were gay and their journey of what they went through and what they overcame. So do you want to share anything? Do you remember anything you want to share with our listeners in that initial conversation? It sounds like just that you, things that maybe you had thought that lent, then, then you learned were not true or just, do you remember anything as specific in that conversation that was helpful for you to just understand? Yeah. So there were multiple things. One was that they knew, um, Nick in particular knew at a very young age, he was gay. Like, I think in kindergarten. And um, I just had never realized or thought of this before. It was just new information for me. Um, they talked about the shame, the self-hatred, trying to change, trying to pray away the gay, doing all the things that a Mormon man is supposed to do. And they were still gay. And um, I, they like really shared their hearts with me and I couldn't help but feel so touched and so moved by their story because they've both have overcome incredibly difficult things. And it's so great to see where they're at now and how happy they are together. Um, but definitely their journeys have not been easy. And anyways... So those were kind of the main things, That's just great. really eye-opening. So we get to the salt flats and I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like I, this is different. I've never photographed a same-sex couple. So we get out 
they look amazing. That, like I told you before, they're super handsome. They had designer suits on. They had their cute little dog with them. His name's Tux. And they get out and I start, you know, interacting and posing them. And like within 30 seconds, I'm like, this is exactly like all of the couples I photograph. They love each other. They're cute together. They're comfortable with each other. They're having fun. And it's just so evident as a photographer. I mean, like this is what I did. I photographed couples in love every day. And this couple, this gay couple was no different. So their photos turned out absolutely beautiful. Like to this day, after 15 years, like I can honestly say that was hands down top five of my photo shoots I've ever done. Absolutely gorgeous. So we had a great time. I totally like overcame any insecurities or fears I had that the the photo shoot might not turn out great, or I might not, you know, know how to work with the same sex couple when I quickly discovered that it's exactly like working with any of the couples I had worked with. So we have a long drive home after that, continued our conversation once again, just in this comfortable, open environment. And um, Mark said to me, Hey, I know that you shoot a lot of LDS weddings. Like I know that's your main clientele. And if you feel like photographing a same-sex couple might hurt your business in any way, you don't have to show these photos to anyone. Just They're just for us and just for our family. I know that you like do a blog and everything. Don't feel pressured to share our photos. We won't be offended. We completely understand if you feel like you can't share these. So he told me that and that made me so sad. It made me so sad to think that... Like he felt that I needed to hide their relationship because what I had just witnessed was just a couple who had just gotten married. They had waited their whole lives to find each other. And I just had witnessed something very beautiful. So I got home and um, I thought about what Mark had said about not sharing the photos. And I just thought you know what? I am really proud of these photos. I'm proud of my family. Mark's my family. I'm like really proud of him and what he's done. Um, so I'm going to share these. I'm going to share these on my blog and I'm not going to hide them. And if someone doesn't like them or someone doesn't want to hire me as their photographer because they're offended that I love my family, then so be it. So anyways, I edited the photos. I published them on my blog, put it on on my, you know, my business Facebook page. And the response was so overwhelmingly positive. Like I got so many emails, um, comments on my blog, just so much positivity, text messages, about how beautiful this couple was and how beautiful the photos were. And I didn't encounter any negativity. And, um, you know, I can see all my analytics on my blog. And after 15 years of shooting weddings, Mark and Nick's photo shoot was my second most viewed 
uh, photo shoot that I ever published. Wow. Yeah, that's just a beautiful story. And I, there's parts of that that are really touching, but the thing that's sort of a little heartbreaking is Mark, I believe, on the drive home. Yeah. Protecting you. Here's this guy, these, this couple that you're seeing the firsthand, the beauty of their marriage, but they're so thoughtful about you that they want to make sure that this doesn't negatively impact your business, even though the indirect message it sends to them mm-hmm. about them. And I love that. That's a painful part of the story, but it's, yeah. I love the way you just said, no, I'm putting these on my blog. And then the analytics showing it was, you know, second top. Yeah, me too. It was, it was so great. And it just, um, to me, it shows that they're, There are a lot of people that love and support LGBTQ people, and maybe it doesn't always come up in conversation. And so we don't know where people stand. Um, But that was just a testament to me that there are a lot of people that really were like touched by their photos and um, really moved by them. And that and their photos really, to me, captured um, their relationship well. They weren't like stagnant, posed, stiff, formal photos. They were very playful, very fun, and just really captured their cute relationship together. Share with our listeners, when you go to the salt flats, all I know is it's this huge area. Do you actually take an exit off of I-80 that says salt flats? Or how do you get (laughs) to the right spot to do a shoot like this? Yeah, so you basically just head to Wendover, And maybe like five miles before you get to Wendover, all the sand turns to white salt. So I think if I remember right, there's not, maybe there's an exit. I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, There's a rest stop. So there's just like a covered rest stop, bathrooms, and then you can just walk out onto the salt. That's what you did then. Yes. And that was obviously Mark and Nick's idea. Yeah, it was. And it turned out so good. Tell, um... And maybe we mentioned this earlier, um, your first cousin with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've hap- and we both know Mark's brothers, Todd and Brett. Um, Todd that I've met in Houston and Brett that I've traded a lot of messages with co- in Cabo San Lucas. So these brothers who haven't been on the podcast are active LDS guys supporting their brother Mark. And I love that part of the story. I just sense that these... I mean, can you speak to the family support to this to this couple? Do you know much about the family support? I mean, they we don't live in the same state, so we only get together maybe once a year. But they are such a loving family and so supportive of Mark and Nick. And I just love being with their family and just being a part of all the love that they share for their family. So yeah, I think they're a great example of um, being active Mormon, but also showing Christ-like love with absolutely no judgment for their family members. I love that. And sometimes we get this false dichotomy in our minds that to fully love and follow God, we have to stop loving some of his children or step away from some of his children. And obviously you don't have that false dichotomy, Rebecca. And I think a lot more of our active Latter-day Saints are recognizing that it's a doctrinal principle to love. It, love isn't just like an attribute. It's part of our doctrine. Absolutely. And so I just think you're 
following and the Galbraith family is following the doctrine that Christ taught. Yeah. Did you have ward members mention the blog to you? Did you have people in your active LDS circle um, talk about that photo shoot in particular? So I or did actually... did you just see the analytics kind of go up? <laughs> I saw the analytics. And once again, I got texts and emails and just such a positive response. And I actually designed their um, wedding announcement to send out to the family. And that was really fun, too, because all the family got it in the mail and started like texting. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. The photos are so beautiful. Um, So I went to church probably a couple weeks after I had published the shoot and um, someone in my bishopric came up to me and he's so nice. He was like, that photo shoot you posted is so amazing. What a great looking couple. You did such a good job. Like they looked amazing. And once again, like it was just that testament to me that there are a lot of supporters out there. And, and sometimes at church, you just don't really get an opportunity to express that. So it's always great when you hear people that you least expect that are total allies and supporters. Love that. Love that part of the story. Talk about, did that lead to any more work in this space? I Let's talk about Encircle, because I know okay. you connected with Encircle. Yes. Do you want to go there next? Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds okay. great. Okay, so after I published um, Mark and Nick's engagement shoot, I felt like it maybe let people know that I was a safe and supportive ally. And so they could contact me to, to shoot same-sex weddings or um, anything else in that realm. So I got contacted by the owner of Gatehouse, who's a dear friend, and she asked me to come photograph their charity event that they were hosting for Encircle. And it was, um, it was my honor to be there. I was so happy she asked me, and I felt really privileged that she trusted me to come photograph something that was going to be really special. So anyways, um, I get there and the whole night was just amazing. There was programs and videos and ta- like talented kids performing and also sharing their stories. And um, I mentioned to you earlier, the spirit was so strong in that room. The love that was felt within those walls was just amazing and so powerful. And there wasn't a dry eye in that place. And while I was there photographing that, I thought, I wish everyone could be here because these are really special and amazing people. And when you, when someone shares their heart with you and you get to see a glimpse of who they are on the inside, um, I feel like that is really impactful. And I know we kind of talked earlier, you and I, about um, science and all these different things that like prove that people are born gay, but we both agreed that the easiest way to become an ally is to really know a gay person or an LGBTQ person because you just love them. So a few months after I had photographed the Encircle event and just had a really powerful and strong spiritual experience there. Um, the Encircle kids were denied entrance into the Freedom Festival. This is literally like maybe two or three months after I had photographed that. 
And my heart broke for them because I had just witnessed their stories and the things that they had shared that were heartbreaking. And to be denied entrance in like a parade that celebrates freedom for people in our country. I just thought that has got to be such a crushing blow. And I also thought, I wish that the Freedom Festival organizers could have been in that room with me that day. Because like I said, there wasn't one person in that room that didn't feel such strong love for these kids. Do you remember any stories that stick out in your mind um, that you heard there, just general feelings or impressions or learning as you continued to learn from that night? I don't remember specific stories, but the one thing that I noticed and I loved is that the adult audience, there were a lot of LGBTQ people who were a lot older than the kids that were sharing their stories. And so I loved that they were there to be there for the kids and be, and be able to say, we know what it feels like. We've been there too. And the stories are all centered around kind of what Mark and Nick's stories were this deep shame, this self-hatred, this fear. And I mean, that's just heartbreaking because this is an, this is essentially who they are. This is the essence of their being. And to be told that that's wrong or sinful or what all the different things that they may have been told is, has just got to be soul crushing. And so yeah, my heart hurt for these kids and their stories. And a few of them like um, did some musical numbers where they played the piano and sang. And I think um, one of the kids played a guitar solo. And I mean, they're just so talented and so amazing. Just great kids that deserve all the things that we want for all of our kids. Love that. And our common friend, Jacob Dunford, I assume was key involved in that night. Yes. And, and that was my first time meeting Jacob. And we've, um, I've photographed their interiors now that that's my line of work. When they uh, renovate and fix up one of their new homes, I've photographed a few of those. And um, he's the kindest person. And he's shared some amazing stories with me as well of some of the work that they've done at Encircle. In fact, we were at the gym in the lobby and he's telling me this story and we're both like crying. <laughs> he's telling me this amazing story of this, this kid who got kicked out of his home because he came out gay to his family and his family was not okay with that. And the end of the story was a happy ending because once the family started going to encircle and once again, feeling the love, seeing how amazing these kids are, seeing the amazing work that encircle does. It just changed everything for that family. So these are great stories. I love hearing them. And I love the work that Encircle is doing. I think it's so, so important. I agree. And um, as if if our listeners aren't aware of Encircle, I became aware of it in Provo. My mm-hmm. wife and I went to the grand opening and got to meet Stephanie Larson and some of the board members and volunteered there. And um, I just recognize its need. I would love to, there are people alive today that haven't complete died by suicide because of Encircle. Um, There are family circles that are together, like the one Mm -hmm. you just mentioned, because of Encircle. Yeah. 
And to me, that's a goal of our community is to keep people alive mm-hmm. and to keep the family circle together. And I think those are just two doctrines that I think Christ believes really strongly in and that um, we would want to do everything we can to keep the family circle together. And if someone comes out and if someone even steps away from the church, often in circle can be a key thing there to keep the family circle together. And so people can stay healthy and emotionally strong and move forward in their lives, like the Galbraith family has mm-hmm. done with, with Brett. Absolutely. More thoughts on in circle that come to your mind before we move on? I just, one of your previous podcasters said, when you know better, you do better. And I love that saying. And I think that that embodies what Encircle does. Um, it teaches people. And when you know better, you do better. And I think that they're teaching these families. And I guess I just could close with that on my feelings about Encircle. They're just, I'm really happy that they exist. And I'm just in awe of the work that they do. Yeah, and I think it's so needed. And I think there's these false dichotomies that somehow get created. And for LDS families, I I hope this is a minority situation, but you just shared one is that, you know, you have to choose between the church or your gay kid mm-hmm. um, or the church between your gay kid if your gay kid leaves the church and mm-hmm. you can't. And I just think we've created a false dichotomy. You don't have to yeah. give up one to choose the other. And Absolutely. Our, and I think in circle is helping us to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about, this is a little bit of a tangent, but just tell our listeners what it's like to be hired for a destination wedding. So I've always, yeah, I've always imagined having your job, Rebecca, and thinking <laughs> somebody calls me on the phone or texts me or emails me and said, I would like to hire you to go to Hawaii and do a destination wedding. And then, of course, all your expenses are paid. You get yeah. to go to Hawaii. Just But then you're, but then the pressure's on. You can't just yeah. go around the pool and, and, <laughs> and just because and, the pressure's on. So tell us about a desti- tell us about that part of your life. That, okay. So I have done a lot of destination like weddings 50, in my 15 years. 20, 100? I mean, no, not that many. But. I feel like it's a lot. And what, what, how long would the typical destination wedding take? It depends on where it was. If we were going someplace fabulous, I would extend and stay a whole week. So, Like Hawaii? Yeah. Or Hawaii, the Virgin Islands? St. John, um, New York, Boston, um, just some really amazing places. Uh, what is it like? It's amazing and terrifying. That's it's like the best way I can explain it. I feel like that sums up wedding photography in general. It's all the highest of highs and all the lowest of lows for everyone, (laughs) even the photographer. Um, So Mark and Nick, they're so great. They've showed so many people the photos that I photographed for them that I just got so much business from those pictures. So um, one of like the highlights of my career was getting flown out to Hawaii I got to stay with Mark and Nick because they were living there at the time on the beach in a beautiful home. And some of their dear... Which island are we on? uh, We were on Oahu and Kailua. Wow. Yeah, it was so pretty. So um, one of their really good friends, like a couple friend that lived in Hawaii, saw the pictures. They were getting married. um, And Mark and Nick were like, fly her out. She flies all over. So anyways, that was amazing. I extended the trip. I brought my husband with me and we spent the whole week 
with Mark and Nick and all of their friends and the um, lesbian couple that I was photographing. And um, it was just such a great experience. So fun. And photographing their wedding in Hawaii was just such a privilege. And while they were getting married, I remember thinking, I am so blessed to be photographing this. This is just, I'm so glad I'm able to be a part of this. Why? Because I felt like um, I was able, I, I felt like I was, my gift to them was capturing their love. And um, Jan, who was um, one of the brides, actually passed away recently. Wow. Yeah. She actually had cancer while I was shooting the wedding. It was really sick the day of. Um, and she passed away recently. And I'm just so glad I got to know her. And I'm, I look back at those pictures and I hope that they just bring back so much happiness for that family. Because there are so many cute photos of their family on the beach. And once again, it's all about love. So much love at that wedding. It was amazing. Talk about uh, Mark and Nick's pictures being picked up by the Park City Trade publication or yeah. whatever the right term is. So once again, I got such a positive response from these photos when I was, when Mark was like a little nervous about it. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how people are going to react um, so what, uh, one of the writers for Park City Magazine saw the photos and reached out to me and said, we want to feature these photos. And I was so happy about that. So the writer called Mark and Nick, interviewed them, learned about their story of how they met and their wedding. And, um, it was just really special to see that highlighted in such a great way. And honestly, even though this was just 2013, it wasn't that long ago, there were not any same-sex weddings being featured in Utah anywhere. So that was kind of the first one in my memory, um, kind of the first one that got out there, like got some exposure. And we'll link to that article um, in our podcast description. If you want to look at those photos, we'll have a link wherever you're listening. Um, cause I've looked at those photos and looked at the write up and it just humanized these two guys. And, yeah. and to me, that doesn't cost me anything to humanize other people and, and to see good. I want every marriage to succeed. If two people like, uh, Mark and Nick come together and make those vows, which in some ways is a sacrament in some ways is this sign of commitment to a relationship. I want that marriage to succeed. Absolutely. And I think great photography captures the beauty of those moments and reminds a couple of their marriage and their vows and their commitment to each other. And I look at my wedding pictures from 30 years ago this April, and um, and I it reminds me of, you know, the beauty of our marriage and why we're married and our common goals. And and I just think the the. I think, you know, I think about the things Heavenly Father's blessed us with, and I, this is a tangent, but I was, I go and think of these things sometimes. He could have created a world without music, mm -hmm. um, without the ability to sing, and probably wouldn't have changed the plan of salvation, but it, it brings beauty in the world. And then I think about photography, and I guess he could have created a world without photography, mm -hmm. but I think that's part of capturing beauty 
and capturing moments and having skilled people like you that can capture those moments in just the right way um, that brings joy to all of us. And so I love what you've done for this couple and, and then other couples, both straight and same-sex couples, and have seen the good in those marriages. Thank you so much. Talk about um, your husband's not here, um, but both of you are kind of in this space. Is that true? And he's just, it's this, you know, Mark is his cousin, so yeah. he seems so, comfortable. Yes. I should clarify, Mark is actually my husband's cousin. And so you're both but like I claim Mark as like my own cousin and he I think claims if Mark me as was his. Here, I assume if Mark was here, you'd say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband's But your husband's great. coming to Hawaii and yeah. going on these. My know. husband is very devout LDS. And honestly, there's no question in his mind that he just absolutely loves LGBTQ people. And I love that about him because it's like you said, he hasn't created that false dichotomy of like, if I want to be, you know, a devout, loyal member, I have to, um, I don't know, not like these people or not associate with LGBTQ people. He's not like that at all. So one thing that I love when we hang out with Mark and Nick, because we go on double dates and everything, uh, Mark and my husband, Devin, are cousins, and they are so similar. And it's hilarious because Nick and I will complain about the bad food that they eat and um, their cheapness. Anyways, it's just really <laughs> funny. Like we just have fun together. And um, yeah, it's my husband's there on weddings with me, just full of LGBTQ people and having the best time. I love that. And I just, you know, I, I, I do like, I wreck hearing those stories. Um, I like you talking about how your heart changed by meeting LGBTQ people. That's certainly yeah. a consistent theme for allies and how we're glad our heart changes and how we're better people and we see good. I like the book, Brene Brown, Braving the Wilderness. Sometimes when I first read that, it kind of described my journey where um, braving the wilderness was sort of my journey to understand LGBTQ people. And I don't think that's a wilderness. Like that's a wilderness sounds like a kind of a rough and tumble and isolated mm -hmm. place. It's a beautiful place. And I'm so grateful that I've got out of my circle, kind of my safe circle of just being around people exactly like me. Um, and I've had other groups of people come into my life that have helped me a better person. And hopefully I've helped uh, bridge bridge gaps and bring a voice of support to other people, just like you're doing. Yeah, and that I love didn't cost, that. And that didn't cost me anything. It's exactly. not like I sold out something to do that. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I feel so grateful that I know and associate with people outside of my circle. And a big part of that is just because of wedding photography. You're really exposed to a lot of different cultures, religions, um, ethnicities, all sorts of things. So I feel really grateful for that. And in particular with LGBTQ people, um, in my opinion, they are some of God's finest people. And I am so glad that they're in my life. And I hear, you know, at church in Utah County, where we're just all very similar, we're a very homogenous group. Um, I hear a lot of things said about LGBTQ people that aren't true. And it hurts my heart. And at the same time, though, I'm glad that I know LGBTQ people 
And I don't think that way. I feel grateful because they've, they've helped me, um, formulate correct and accurate ideas of who they are. Do you want to share some of the things that you hear so our listeners can be educated on things that they shouldn't be saying? So one thing, I don't hear it as much anymore, but it was popular for a while uh, before gay marriage was legalized, that legalizing gay marriage was an attack on the family or an attack on traditional marriage. And it's honestly not. This is a group of marginalized people that just want what we all want. And it's not an attack. It's a sign of respect to their humanity. Um, I recently had someone at church really horrified um, that a transgender individual wanted to be called by their proper pronouns. And she was very offended by that. And I just thought, once again, it all just goes to respect for a marginalized group of people. They're not trying to attack or do anything like that. They're just asking for respect that we all ask for and that we all want. So I guess just that's maybe kind of the overlying thing is things I hear at church calling things a lifestyle. You know, this lifestyle affects us. It really doesn't. You know, it's just, it's just, um, let's just give all people the same kind of respect and love that we want, regardless of their sexual orientation, their race, et cetera. Love those examples. And I've been on the wrong side. I, I mean, I've said those same things at times, maybe not transgender, but I certainly um, now I recognize that, you know, just honoring individual people's past doesn't cost me anything. Like you should, said, Rebecca, it doesn't cost me anything mm-hmm. to call a transgender person by their pronouns. It, to me, it is just a principle of respect. Absolutely. It, and my life is no different. <laughs> and if I support somebody, if they feel gay marriage is their path, it doesn't it doesn't take down my marriage. It doesn't change anything about my family or Absolutely. my future. Or, um, and so I don't, yeah. So I think sometimes we use fear-based things um, in an effort to sort of deal with things that are unknown to us and perfect love casteth out fear. But I think you have to meet a transgender person or do a photo shoot of a gay couple. And then mm-hmm. I don't think then this I think our ability to love and set aside fear, it becomes part of our journey. Yeah. And what was the quote, the Brene quote? It's hard to hate up close. Yeah, exactly. Is that what it's it is? It's hard to hate people up close, move in. Yeah. And that's like the perfect quote for what you just said. Because once you get to know a person up close, um, you love and respect them. And especially when you hear some of their journeys that they've been on to get to where they are. Um, and for me personally, I want for my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, everything that I have, I want them to experience love, respect, um, and I don't know, just basically, I don't want them looked down upon or being told that they're attacking 
in any way just because they want like basic things that we all all humans need. Love that. Talk about the bracelet you wear at church. Um, I have a rainbow gemstone bracelet. It's really pretty. And I wear it to church every Sunday as like a quiet way of letting people know that I am a safe person and I'm an ally. And I actually got the idea from another client um, who was active Mormon Relief Society president and her daughter came out gay. And um, I was actually at a photo shoot in her home and we were just both sitting on the couch crying. We like took a break during the photo shoot and we just started talking about this. This is like my second time working with her. And she's telling me her family's journey through this, having a daughter come out gay while she was Relief Society president. And one month before the policy came out, um, you know, the policy, the 2015 policy. So that was just like a great conversation, a great experience. And I told her, I said, your daughter's not here, but will you please tell her I love her and support her? I don't know if she needs to hear that, but I want her to know it. And I love you and I support you, my dear client who just became my best friend. And I said, how I have a hard time at church because I don't know how to let people know that I'm an ally and I'm a safe person. And I don't want people to assume that because I'm sitting in Relief Society, while negative things about LGBTQ people are being said, that I agree with them because I'm sitting in there. And she said, get a piece of rainbow jewelry. And she showed me her rainbow ring. She said, get a, get a piece of rainbow jewelry because I promise people will notice and the right people will notice. The people who are maybe there who are feeling really scared and alone and sad by some of the things that our people are saying. Um, so yeah, I wear it every Sunday and I like it because I don't ever get an opportunity to express the way I feel about gay people um, in church. It just doesn't come up very often. And also I'm quiet and I don't say much, but I hope that um, if I'm wearing that, that someone would know that I'm a safe person for them. And if they are feeling alone or sad or afraid, um, I would 100% be there for them. No judgments. I love that. And that has certainly been something as I've had guests on the podcast that I've recognized the importance of the rainbow colors. And I think from my day, I'm 58, you know, that the visual imagery associated with that is um, parades that may have some inappropriate behavior from my day growing up. And I don't want to go into that too much, but I, th I think it's taken me a little deprogramming because that's the visual imagery that I associated with those colors mm -hmm. and the word pride. Mm -hmm. um, and now I don't see it that way. There's an appropriate pride of self-respect that we talk about in the church. It's being our personal best. Mm -hmm. And I look at those colors as signaling in an appropriate way that you are safe. And if I'm a parent with an LGBTQ child, I can talk to Rebecca. And if someone has a kid that comes out in your ward, you may be the very first person they call up because they've noticed that you're wearing that and you can go there with them. And of course, if you're LGBTQ and you need to, someone to open up. And so I just see more and more people doing that. There's a seminary teacher in Utah County. We did a podcast with her, Alyssa Edwards. If any of our listeners want to just 
um, scroll back and she has Jesus said, love everybody painting by Kirk Richards, but Jesus in the rainbow colors hanging up in her office. I know office. that exact painting. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. And mm-hmm. I asked her why she has that in her office. And she said, well, it signals to my students that I'm safe. And mm-hmm. if, But it not only signals to LGBTQ students who might be closeted, but I think her straight students say, okay, I can talk to Sister Edwards. Mm-hmm. She can handle what I need to talk about if she's going to show love to this group of people, which should be easy. But for yeah. some of us, it takes a little bit of journey. So I just look at the signaling you're doing um, and the need then to have these honest um, conversations in safe places and what you're doing with that and how that, to me, is very consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I feel like it's part of our baptismal covenants. So everyone needs a friend at church. And I think it can be a lonely place for some people. So... Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm there. I'm there and I'm there for people who may need to talk to someone. That's great. Um, I have to think some of the paydays of, of just the, the, the feeling you've created in your home is going to be great for your three kids. Yeah. You may not ever have any LGBTQ kids or grandkids, but I think the principles that you're applying in your personal life and in this journey are going to forever help you as a parent, as your kids will just know that mom and dad love everybody. And so they can love me. And if I need to talk about difficult things with my parents, they can do that. I know in our parenting, we wanted to signal to our children. We wanted them to make good choices, Mm -hmm. obviously, but we wanted to create this um, culture where they would be safe opening up to us without shame, without judgment, what's really going on in their life so that we could walk with them on those roads and they didn't have to walk that alone. And and so I have to think that what you're doing and what all of us can do that you're doing is as we say and do kind things like you're doing, then we indirectly signal to our own family members um, that we're safe and they yeah. can open up to us. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm so happy that my kids um have gay uh family members. And in fact, we have a transgender family member as well. And it when my kids met my cousin Allison, it was a perfect opportunity to teach them what a transgender person was. And I'm just really happy that they're learning love and acceptance at such a young age. And also um just even within my larger family group, um I I feel like it's really important to create a safe space as well because there's likely going to be um, grandkids that come out as LGBTQ at some point. And I hope that my family, my larger family, is a safe space for those people that we love. And I mentioned to you earlier about the Gregory Prince lecture at, was it at University of Utah? I think so, yes. Um. I watched that and was blown away that everyone needs to watch that. It is absolutely fascinating. And after I watched it, I sent it to my parents and I just said, watch this. I just want you to um, watch it so you can think about what's being said and that we can maybe create a safe space for our family members in case we ever need it. And, um, 
I don't know if you can link to that in your podcast, but if you can, that is like phenomenal. The research he's doing. Do you remember some of the parts of that that particularly resonated with you you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, okay. Multiple things and you're better at articulating. So you might have to help me. We're a team. Yes. Um, overall was the science proving that people are born gay. He did say at the beginning of the lecture, he was more focusing on gay, not transgender. There wasn't enough research there yet. Um, people are born gay. Um, it's during fetal development. He goes into epigenetics and hormones and all this really scientific stuff. And then he takes it to the next point, which is if we know people are born gay, how do we move forward in the church? Because can you really penalize people if they're born that way? Is that kind of yes. as you remember it? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I like you believe science is our friend. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt better information leads to better revelation. When I was working with the YSAs, I always wanted to learn as much as I could about their personal situation before sort of seeking Heavenly Father's help with personal revelation or even a priesthood blessing. And I felt like there's parallels to this, that science is a window in how God accomplishes the things he wants to. I believe, I don't believe God is up there going, oh no, what went wrong? Some of my children are LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. I believe this is part of his plan, this beautiful and needed diversity. And he accomplishes that through science. Um, and to me, I maybe would even say he accomplishes that through priesthood power. And science is a window in how the priesthood works. So I think the earth was created by priesthood power. I think it's the power of God's power to, you know, accomplish his goals. And so I believe that science is our friend to understand how the priesthood works. And then I agree with you, as we've learned in society and the church, that sexual orientation is not a choice. That to me, and I think Greg Prince's words is a paradigm shift. So, so instead of putting it back on LGBTQ people become cishead or gay people to become straight. Mm-hmm. The responsibility is on us to help um, them feel like they belong and have a place. And I feel yeah. like the church has more work to do because as you listen, as you know, to LGBTQ people, they're not having the same experience in our church mm-hmm. um, that straight people are. And they're in a double bind often because they would love a life partner and they'd love to fully participate in the church. And so we just have more work to do. But I think if we recognize the reality of that, then our hearts open up wider and we want to do everything we can to, to make the, the, to bear the burden that our LGBTQ members bear by listening to them and validating their pain and listening to their story. And if they choose to step away from the church to not make them the villain or not point to them and say, well, this is why society is going downhill, but recognize the incredible difficult road that they walk and just put our arms around them, love them as they make their way forward. So that's, that's, is that okay? Yeah. I love what you said. And in regards to science, I think it can take you so only so far because really for me, the, the catalyst was knowing an LGBTQ person. So that's the blessing for me. But I do love the science-backed evidence that Gregory Prince presents. 
And um, he talks about how uh, this is our modern day civil rights. So it's absolutely fascinating. It is. And then I'm glad you brought up our transgender friends because, as you said, and I agree, there's very little science. Mm-hmm. And so we could just dismiss that people that feel gender dysphoria is a sign of the last days or Satan's increased influence. But that keeps everything in the nice tidy box for me, but but prevents uh, my heart from being open to people experience gender dysphoria and are transgender and and recognizing that that, as I've met with transgender people, is real. They don't, and being transgender doesn't mean you want to not live the teachings of the church or you don't want to have God in your life. It's just how you feel inside. And so not yeah. to validate how someone's feel. And I recognize that transitioning is whatever stage someone feels appropriate to them is just, it's it's not to rebel against God or to not follow the teachings of the church. It's just to feel right inside. Um, just like whatever thing each of us have that's causing us perhaps not to feel right inside, we would cor- we would seek out help to correct that to feel right inside and to judge people for wanting to feel right inside is is hard. So I go back to someone that wants to use the pronouns and change their pronouns. Mm-hmm. That, In my experience, that's not a sign of rebellion or turning away from God or not loving, wanting to live the teachings of the church. It's just a desire to be authentic. Absolutely. And I know you know yes, that, Rebecca. and be respected. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And validated. That's a great word. Anything you'd like to share just in closing for our listeners? I... Um, I just wanted to share like my personal beliefs about LGBTQ people. Like I said earlier, I believe they are some of God's finest children. They have blessed my life. They are not damaged or broken or um, not who they're supposed to be. I believe they came here to earth exactly the way God wanted them to be. And it is my hope and prayer that we can move forward in love and make um, make our world a safe place and put our arms around them and just give them all the love they deserve and all the love and respect that we all want and deserve. What a great conclusion statement. So Rebecca Westover, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for um, personally blessing our family with um, the photos you did for our oldest daughter, Abby and Nico. We love them so much and you've captured that day um, for us forever and for them and for so many other families through your professional work and and now for what you're sharing about our LGBTQ friends. Mark and Nick, if you're listening, um, <laughs> shout out to you two men. And I've never met you, but I've seen your photos. And thank you for the lives you're living and the goodness in your life and working through really complicated things, being alive and and helping us all. And And for your brothers, Todd and Brett, who we both know, and or at least I know, and you know everybody in that family. We're grateful for both of your families and all that you've done to keep the family circle together. And we thank you, our listeners, um, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. 